watching from. Uh, just really glad, whether in here or out there, that you're allowing us to be a part of your journey with God. And, and again, I'm just so grateful uh, that you are allowing us to be your church or be a part of where you are with God. And my prayer is that you grow with him, man, grow in the knowledge of Jesus and the knowledge of who God is and get moving with who he is instead of just knowing who he is, but get moving with who he is. That's what we're all about is helping you take those steps in that journey. Uh, just grateful you're here with us today. Uh, and if we haven't met, I'm Andy. I'm one of the pastors here and we are in, I wanna welcome you to week number five of a series we're calling Seven Questions. We're gonna get to that here in one minute, but uh, I do wanna come back to the Easter weekend really quick, like Marianne told you. Uh, again, just to put a few things on your radar and, and I told you I would give you an update the next time I was up here on one of the things that I asked. And so there's the things that we want you to know. If you have a kid age two to fifth grade, make sure you sign up for Town Trail. Good Friday service at seven. Then on Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday. So we have three service times on Easter Sunday. Again, just a one-time deal, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. And here's what we asked you, some of you, or at least 350 of you, to make a commitment to come to 8.30 service. And so where we're at right now, we're like 75% there, which is awesome. We have like 266 people, pretty evenly spread out with kids and adults. So way to go. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. I, I think over the next several weeks, uh, we can get there. And so if you just scan, if you wanna make a commitment uh, to come to 8.30, that'd still be great. We still need, you know, around 100 more people to do that. So if you can do that, that'd be great. You can scan that barcode, go to the website, get on the app, however you wanna fill out that form. So we just know that we have that covered and we'll have a great Easter Sunday. So just again, thank you for those of you who did make that commitment to 8.30. Uh, and just, if you can do that, go ahead and do it. So, all right, let's get to it today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open them up to John chapter eight. John chapter eight. And as you get there, let me get us caught up in the series really quick. So here's, here's what we're doing. We, we are looking at questions that Jesus asked. That's what we're doing. And we're allowing those questions to really kind of come into the, the questions that we have about God or the questions that we have uh, to Jesus. And, and hopefully what that will do is that will give us, looking at the questions that Jesus asked, that will give us some of the answers that we've been looking for. Because what I found in my life, sometimes actually finding what I'm looking for doesn't really come from a question that I asked, but maybe being asked a really good one myself and having an answer Myself, And I think that's why, this is what I said in the beginning of the series, I think that's why Jesus asked so many questions, okay? So here's what we've looked at so far. We've looked at Jesus asking us, why are you so afraid? We, we saw him ask, who do you say that I am? We, we saw him ask, do you believe that I can do this? And last we looked at him ask, do you want to be healed? Uh, and so today's question, we're gonna go to the next one in the series. Today we're gonna look at a question that I think pretty much every single one of us can actually relate to, which is this, being caught. Being caught red-handed. Anybody relate to that a little bit? I bet you some of us can relate to being caught. Anybody remember being caught? In fact, when I say that, a lot of you probably just went to your childhood right away, right? Being caught in the act of doing something, the feeling that you had like, oh man, I got caught. You know, maybe you go back to your teen years. Let's skip the teen years. We did fine in our teen years. Maybe, you know, or, or just recently, you know, maybe like uh, getting caught and pulled over, right? You got caught speeding or going through a red light or something like that, you know? But maybe, maybe uh, it's a sin, Right, that, that when I said being caught, that you, you know what that feeling is of being caught by God or being caught in a sin. You feel like God is almost like tugging at you already with something like that. Well, this is what we're gonna see happen with a woman 
who's caught in something. And we're gonna see how uh, people tried to pull Jesus right in the middle of this, okay? So we're gonna read about this. Let's go to John chapter eight. We're gonna pick this up in verse three. Let's see what happens. It says this. It says, as Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So, you know, I just wanna get us to picture the scene a little bit. So here's where we're, we're at in the story. Jesus is going around again, talking about the kingdom of God, doing these amazing things. And so there had to have been a crowd. It said there was a crowd. He was probably in the middle of this town uh, doing the same thing he's always done. So there were a lot of people around and they're probably, you know, scrunching in. They're, they're listening to what Jesus has to say. Uh, and then I, and I think about these group of religious guys and how they bring this woman to the scene because it seemed to me that they really did want to make a scene, right? They were probably loud, being obnoxious about it because it said they put her in front of the crowd. And so they're loud, they're disruptive. They're bringing as much attention to this as they possibly can. And this woman, you know, I wonder a lot about this woman. I, we don't know her name. We, don't, we never do. We don't know what, what put her in this circumstance. We don't know her background, not sure what's really going on. But here's what I think I can have a pretty good idea of. I, I think I have a good idea of how she felt. Imagine, man, in front of these people being caught, red-handed, being told, like everybody's being told about what you did. She's in public, probably humiliated, not able to say anything to fix this right now. Like you can't really, what, what can you say to actually fix it? And, and you know, maybe a lot of us can relate to that. You know, maybe if you've ever been caught in a sin, like what can you really say to God if you've really been caught in a sin or maybe you've been caught by somebody else and you know the shame that you feel, the, the publicity of it or something like that when it's out there and you're really caught by somebody else. And so these guys, they bring her to Jesus and here's what they say. They say, hey, she's been caught in adultery. So they say, hey, the law of Moses says the stoner, Jesus, what do you say? And so they say, hey, this law that we have, that we follow, says the stoner. And so here, here's what's going on in this statement. And, and really, this is a big, big thing right here because it really brings in, this question here brings in the whole point of why Jesus actually came. Because these guys, we're gonna see in a minute, they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to trip Jesus up. So when they say, hey, the law of Moses says to stoner, here's what they were doing. They were quoting the book uh, of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, it says actually that if, if a, by the way, it says, if a man and woman are caught in the act of adultery, both of them should be stoned, which I don't know if you're like me. If you are like me, you read this story and you're like, hey, where's the dude, right? Like where... He's kind of conspicuously missing, right, right? I just, I think about that a little bit because the law says both of them should be caught. And if she's caught in the act of adultery, it takes two to tango last time I looked, you know what I'm saying? And so I wonder, and then I also wonder, just thinking, what were these guys doing to actually find this act uh, happening? You know what I'm saying? What were they doing? And so if I'm Jesus, I would kind of say, well, how'd you actually catch her? Just curious, like, what were you guys doing? You religious people, like, what were you doing? So I don't know. That's where I go. No commentary talked about it that way, but I'm just saying, okay, so, so they're, saying, they're saying, hey, listen, you're preaching about God, Jesus. You're talking about the kingdom of God. Doesn't the law say that that's what we're supposed to do? Hey, aren't we supposed to stone her? Now, here's the other thing that was going on. The other thing that we need to know is what was going on in the Roman government at the time, okay? So uh, the Roman government, they actually kind of gave a little bit of liberty to the Jewish people uh, and followers of God at that time, uh, but... 
Capital punishment, which is stoning her, they meant stoning her to death. Capital punishment was still only owned by the Romans. They, nobody else could do that, no matter how religious you were or what religion you were following. So these guys were trying to catch Jesus because here's the thing, gang. If Jesus said, hey, no, no, we're not gonna stone her, then he's breaking Mosaic law, like the, the law of God. But if he says, you know, hey, listen, we're gonna stone her, then he is sentencing someone to death and he's gonna be in big trouble with Rome. And so what's the answer that he's gonna give. Well, he's not gonna give either one of those answers. That's the thing. He's not gonna give either one of those answers because here's what they miss. Here's what these guys and a lot of people miss about Jesus. See, they miss Jesus's entire reason for coming and his complete plan for the sins of the world. In this story, we're gonna see Jesus deal with this. We're gonna see how he deals with this woman and the sin that she's caught in. And here's what we're gonna find, gang, that he's gonna deal with it not according to the law, not according to Moses, not according to Roman law, not even according to what these guys wanted to see happen to her because here's what we can't miss and what they miss. See, Jesus came to deliver a message to the world. And here's what he came to deliver. He came to give us not what we deserve, but what we actually need. And it's the only way that we could be made right with God and it's what the law could never, ever do. Here's how John actually puts it. If you back up in the first chapter of John, he says it from the very beginning about Jesus. I love what he says. He says, listen, out of Jesus's fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the, listen to this with what those guys said. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I love how John puts it for that. So again, so this is where we are. And, and so these guys are like, okay, we got him. And, and, and so now we see that, let's see how this plays out. Let's see what Jesus says. So they're looking at Jesus. What's he gonna say? Here's what he says. He says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And so they kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up again and said, all right, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and started writing in the dust. And then if you read on, what happens is it says that one by one, all these guys start to just pick up sticks and leave. And everybody's gone. And then there's no one around except for Jesus and this woman. And this woman at this point had to have been kind of perplexed, man. Had to have been just really like a little mixed up at this point. And so let's see what Jesus says to her. It says, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, hey, where are your accusers? And here's the question that we're looking at today. Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So here's the question that he asks. Has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you? Man, I think about this woman, I really do, when I read this story and I wonder why she was even doing this, why, what was going on to put her in this situation, we don't know. Gang, listen, we don't know if this was a one-time deal. We don't know if this was like, you know, more than that. We don't know if this was a profession that she had. We don't know it, what, what was going on. And, and I think, man, here's what I think. I don't know. I, I wonder if I believe the best about this woman because that's what I would want people to do with me, believe the best. I wonder if, if maybe this wasn't like uh, someone who was so deplorable or so evil or so bad like these guys were depicting her to be. Maybe she was just someone, maybe she was someone who knew God. What if she knew God? What if she knew right and wrong? And this was just a mistake that kind of spiraled out of control. And then she found herself just in a whirlwind of trouble. And, and here's the thing, gang, if I try to put it in today's version, is that so hard 
to get to? Maybe she was in a marriage. It wasn't a bad marriage. He wasn't abusive, but just she felt ignored. Wasn't that great of a marriage, you know, not exciting. And then she finds herself around another guy and he's nice, pays attention to her. He asks her questions. He, he's interested in her and, and he even says he's into God. I mean, that can't, that can't be so bad. You know, I mean, God, God wouldn't want me to be, be sad or anything like that. He, you know, doesn't God want me to be happy? Uh, I'm not happy right now. He, he kind of makes me happy. What, what's the big deal? And then it happens, just these little innocent steps, one after another, one decision goes another, and then she's in the middle of this train wreck. Man, what put her there? Gang, listen, what puts us there sometimes? Maybe we're not so far away from this woman than we wanna put ourselves, you know, because I think a lot of us get stuck. A lot of us get stuck pursuing these things that we think are gonna like really tickle us or get us happy or whatever. And we end up allowing these things to trick us into pursuing the wrong things. Maybe this is what happened. It's not so hard to get there. But here's the thing. Regardless of how she got there, and I wanna talk to you and talk to me, regardless of how we actually get there, this is still something that we're gonna find. It can't just be brushed under the rug. Like it's clear, it's sin. It's clear that, that she's in the wrong and she did something, she is guilty. And so we need to look into this and we need to see how Jesus deals with this, especially when it comes to us and God and the sin that we're dealing with in our lives. So, so here's what we're gonna do in here. If you have your notes, go ahead and grab those. I see in this story three things that Jesus wanted her to know and what Jesus, listen to me, wants us to know about grace and truth, like John puts it, that he came for grace and truth and how forgiveness works with sin that happens in the lives of Christians. And, and gang, listen, this is so huge for us to get because here's what I believe, here's what I know, that there are a lot of Christians that are walking around and I think that you know that you have forgiveness, but I'm not so sure that you're actually living it out. Like you're kind of stuck, you're, you're, you're bound by something that, that you're not allowing forgiveness to actually be where you're experiencing the freedom and joy that comes from it and comes out of it and living through that forgiveness in your life because it looks like something and we're gonna talk about what it looks like, okay? So let's look at this process and what Jesus wanted her and us to know. And here's the first thing that he wants us to know when we're dealing with sin that happens in our lives is the first thing is that I'm not alone. He wanted her to know that. If you look at this, this is huge to see. See, when Jesus said, hey, hey, whoever doesn't have any sin, uh, go ahead and launch it, man. Go ahead and launch that rock. And then when nobody is there, I think what he wanted to do is he wanted to show her and he wanted to show you and he wanted to show me, you're not alone. Like, I see what you did. It's wrong. It's not right. It's not good. It needs to be dealt with. But you need to understand you are not alone. Look, you're not alone. I think that's huge to understand. We're all dealing with this in our lives. So that's the first thing that he wanted to show us. Here's the second thing that he wanted to show her. And what he wanted to show us is that I'm also not condemned, that I am not condemned. Now, gang, this is really great news. This is really great news um, because here's, here's the thing that could have happened and then in a lot of people's opinions probably should have happened with this woman. Again, going back to what Jesus said when he said, hey, whoever doesn't have any sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. What we gotta realize is that there was actually one person left who could actually throw the stone. It was Jesus, he could have totally done it. He was without sin in his life. But here's the thing, he didn't stone her. He didn't stone her and he did not condemn her. Why? Don't you wanna ask why? Like why doesn't Jesus, listen, God in the flesh, God who can't stand sin, we know that. It's actually clear in there, he hates sin. Why doesn't he condemn her? Why? Why? Because gang, that's not why Jesus came. 
That's not why Jesus came. In fact, I'm gonna use his own words because he made this really, really clear after the most famous scripture in all the Bible, John 3, 16. Actually, in John 3, 17, he says this about himself. He says, hey, listen, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world. I actually came that the world might be saved through me. That's what he said. You can look it up yourself, John 3, 17. When you look up the word condemn, I have it in your notes there. If you wanna write these down, I think this is gonna help us a little bit because this is what condemn means. Condemn means useless, empty, ready for destruction. That's what it means when something is condemned or when a building is condemned, right? It's ready to be taken down and destroyed. And so here's what we need to understand about condemnation, all right? Now, here's what you need to understand. It is real, Like condemnation absolutely happens because here's what condemnation is. I'm gonna tell you what it isn't as well. Condemnation is the punishment for sin for anybody who has not made Jesus the savior of your life. That's very clear. Condemnation is the punishment for sin, but you gotta catch this. It is not the cure for sin. You hear me? It's the punishment for sin for those of us who have not accepted Christ in our life, but it is not the cure for sin. Jesus made that really clear. And so for those of us who are in Christ, Man, I love this because what Jesus does with this woman and what he does with you and what he does with me is he looks us in the eye and he says, you're not condemned. That's not you. You are not useless. You're useful. You're not empty. You're full of life. You're full of me. You're made in God's image. That's why you're here. We need to remember that when we think about condemnation for, for those of us who are in Christ. So that's the second thing that we need to know, that he wanted us to know. And here's the third thing. So again, we're not alone. And in Christ, those of us who are in Christ, we're not condemned. And here's the third one though, is that I also still need to be responsible for my sin, that he wanted us to know that. And so I'm, and, and I wanna be really clear on this today. When I talk about condemnation, uh, Jesus is addressing and I am addressing Christians today. This isn't a, a for everybody message, okay? Like this is just for those of us who have come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have not made that decision, you're kind of not on this plan. And I pray and hope that you do get on this plan because it's the greatest plan in the world on the forgiveness plan uh, and the grace and truth plan. But so here's what we need to understand for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, that, that we can come to, in the sin in our lives uh, to a place where we can know that in Christ, I am not condemned for my sin, I'm free. But listen, because of the grace that comes as a result of that, that I am still responsible for that, for my sin. And in fact, I want to be responsible for the sin in my life. This is really critical for us to see with with how sin kind of operates in the lives of Christians because it still does operate in our lives. So I I wanna give a working definition of sin, okay? So I put that in your notes too. Uh, so here's what sin is. Sin is knowingly doing wrong or is a transgression of theological principles, okay? Knowingly doing wrong or transgression of theological principles, okay? So here's what, what I'm getting at with this word sin. This word sin, like this is something serious, right? That looks kind of serious. This is like a, you know, like a moral God, sacred law kind of thing. And in fact, sometimes the only time we actually hear the word sin uh, is probably in church. And sometimes you don't really hear it. It's kind of yelled at you, right? Like, you're like, I'm pretty sure I heard it. I think he, I heard it in between those yellings at me, right? Like sin and it's like four syllables, right? So that's kind of sometimes the only time we actually see or hear the word sin. But man, looking at that definition of sin, man, that's like, I don't know, man, that's like kind of major leg. Like that's kind of a, little heavy and so here's what we do gang here's what we do what we do is we kind of use we'll use other words for it 
I don't want to use that word, man. I don't want to use other words. So we use other words for what we do to make it sound less harsh than it really is. And, and we can all relate to this. You don't even have to believe in God to, to know that that's what people do. Because man, listen, here's the thing. If I make a mistake, like not sin, if I make a mistake, if I kind of mess up or slip up, you can't get too mad at me if I do that. God, you can't get that mad at me if I just, hey man, like I'm human. Like I just, you know, I, nobody's perfect. I messed up, okay? And so if you catch me, if you catch me, if I get caught, it's kind of like, okay, okay, I mean, my bad, my bad. And listen, here's what we do with this gang. Check me on this. Then what we do is we go from these little things and we say, ah, it's a about all the way to these major things, all the way to these big things, even things that affect our marriages, our relationships, our jobs, our lives, our finances. And you can go on and on and you find yourself just eventually going, fine, okay. I mean, you got me. I messed up, man. I made a mistake. Nobody's perfect. And here's why we do that. Here's why we do that. Because the more you don't say sin, the more you work around that word and say it's something else, then the more we will convince ourselves that it's not as serious as the definition of sin. And listen to me, the less we see sin for what it really is and what it actually does to us and the damage that happens and actually the less responsibility that we actually take for it. Because it's not really that bad. I mean, so then we don't take responsibility for it and catch this, the more we will water down the whole reason Jesus came for us when we do that. I'm telling you, man, there are, there are some Christians who really need to think about this, who really need to think about the seriousness of this because if, until you realize the true impact of sin, great and small, until you really understand what it does and the response that you need to take with this, God's grace will never come flooding into your life. You will never truly experience what forgiveness really is if you don't actually see sin for what it really is. You will be a prisoner. I'm telling you right now, some of you in here today and watch, you're prisoners. You believe in Jesus, but you're a prisoner because you've actually not called sin what it really is in your life. You're actually pursuing some of these things that you're playing down and you're watering down the whole point of Jesus. And then what happens, gang, I'm trying to just give you a warning. What you become is what Jesus hates which is a self-righteous person who doesn't really need Jesus at all. And that's not who you wanna be, I know it. That's not who you want to be. But that is not how we live as forgiven, free followers of Jesus, amen? That's not what we do because for us, here's what we see. This is awesome, this is what we see. We see this is Jesus uh, not condemning the sin, but Jesus also not condoning the sin because what Jesus wants to do with us is actually confront the sin. And that's what we go after with Jesus. So I want you to go back to this woman because notice with this woman, it's right there in the story with this. Jesus didn't say, hey, I don't condemn you. Now go be happy. He didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, listen, I don't condemn you. Now go do what makes you feel good. And hey, man, if it's not hurting anybody else, then it's not that big of a deal. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Hey, follow your heart, man. That's, go ahead and follow your heart. I don't condemn you. No, that's not what Jesus does. What we see Jesus do is is awesome. He shows her mercy, even though she's guilty. And then he gives her truth. Go sin no more. And here's what Jesus is saying to her and what Jesus is saying to you and me. He's saying, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you. I'm not gonna force this on you, but I'm telling you there's a better way to live this life. I'm, I'm, this is an invitation to you to leave that life, leave that sin. I know what sin does, and I'm gonna tell you what it is here in, in a little bit of what it does, but I, leave you, leave, I want you to leave that thing that you think will fill you up or make you happy or feel loved because it will not bring you what you think it'll bring. That's what Jesus invited you to do. He was offering you, me, and her an alternative an alternative to what she thought would make her happy. So when Jesus says, sin no more, 
man, I see nothing but this loving, caring, grace-filled, um, unbelievable invitation of freedom to live with who Jesus is and why he actually came from what she was do- doing. So here's where we're gonna go. So, so what do we do with this? Um, here's the big question. So how then do we live without condemnation? How do we live without condemnation? Because that's how I wanna live. I know that I don't have it. So how do I live in it? So here's, let me put it another way. So if we are saved, if we are a Christian, we are saved, but sin is still around us, what are the steps that should happen as a Christian encounters sin that shows the world a sign that we are actually saved because sin still happens? So, so what do we do? Three things that we do to have a sign of this with faith in Jesus. The first thing with the sin in my life is that I regret the sin. I regret the sin. So there is an attitude that is present when a Christian sins. That, that I look at it and listen to me, gang, please know that I call it what it is. I don't work around it. I, there, I'm, there's so many of us that work around it. And it's crazy because God totally sees it, man. So just get with God and say, all right, I'm calling this out, man. I'm not gonna be dismissive about it. I'm not gonna use a workaround. We call it out and then listen, and then we grieve it. We grieve it because here's what we know as followers of Jesus, man. What we know is that sin is not just breaking God's law, but it is breaking God's heart. And we don't want to break God's heart. So there is an active stance of believers with the sin that we encounter in our lives of regret and sorrow and disappointment in that sin. Uh, and again, why hide it? God already knows it. So, so that's the first thing that we do is that we regret the sin. And the second thing that I do is I repent from the sin. I re- so, so someone who lives out this no condemnation thing, I'm gonna regret it and then I'm gonna repent from the sin. Let's look at what John says about this. We're gonna jump to 1 John, the book of 1 John, not the book of John. 1 John chapter three, he, here's what he says, or 1 John chapter one, here's what he says in verse nine. He says, listen, if we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so here's what we do. Once we take this stance of regret, then there is an open invitation of God through Jesus to actually turn in that sin to God. Like we turn it in, like you're turning a card or something. And then he will actually bring forgiveness, grace, and mercy back to us. It's awesome. It's like the greatest exchange ever. So that's what we can do, that we turn from that sin and we allow God's grace to come pouring in. It's one of the greatest invitations a follower Jesus ever has. It's why we take communion. Like, right, we, we take communion to remember uh, what Jesus did and then he's coming back again, but we also take communion to, to confess some things to God and to get back and restored with him. It's an invitation. This is what repenting is. It is an invitation to take an action. Repenting is an action. So, so here's what it is. It's an action of saying this. I agree with you, God. I agree with you that this is not in alignment with who I am and who Jesus is in me. I'm just agreeing with you. And so I'm not gonna follow that or do that anymore. I'm gonna turn from that and turn to you. Uh, that's what repent is. It's literally like a 180 turn from that thing I'm doing and I'm going on God's path. I'm going back to what it is. It's, it's changing of the mind. So I, I regret the sin. I repent the sin. And here's the third thing I do is that I commit to not repeating the sin. I commit to not repeating the sin. Now, I wanna talk about this for a second, okay? So uh, let me get to the point. I'm gonna jump back into 1 John. This is uh, 1 John 3, because uh, this is what it talks about us as followers of Christ, okay? This is so we can get our bearings on it. This is what he says about sin in our lives. He says this, all right, listen. No one who, so this is 1 John 3, 6, and then we're gonna look at nine. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. 
No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. I don't, that's not what I want to be about. And then verse nine says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in you. That God is in you. And, and he can't keep, you can't keep sinning because you've been born of God. And so let's talk about what John is saying right here, okay? So this is huge for us to understand. So as Christians, as Christians, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this in our freedom of Christ. Again, big plug next time we have it, get in there, it's awesome. As a Christian, this is what you need to know about. This is an identity thing. You are no longer a sinner. Like you need to stop saying you're a sinner because that's not who you are. Guess what you are? You are now holy because you've been born again. You have been born again. You are, so you are no longer labeled a sinner. That is who you are. But here's the thing, gang. Within that identity, we still have sin to deal with even though that's not who I am. Are you catching that? No longer am I labeled a sinner. That's awesome. I'm holy, I'm a saint. So I, I can't be holy and a sinner at the same time, but I still have to deal with sin, okay? And so here's what we do when we have to deal with sin. We just stop doing it. That's it, like we just stop doing it. Is it as simple as that statement? Kinda, yeah, we just decide, no, that's not who I am and that's not what I'm gonna do. Will we be perfect at it? No, thank you, no. Hopefully nobody said yes, get out of here if you say it. No, we're not gonna be perfect at it. Will, will we maybe do it again? Maybe, we might do it again, is that okay? No, it's not okay. But John wants you to know right here about something really big, man, that, that, that our identity matters though. Even if we do it again and we don't wanna do it again, see our salvation matters, it's still there, that it still matters. Our advocate in Jesus matters and that sin still matters. And so in fact, it matters so much that the evidence of, of our saving faith in Jesus Christ is that we know, listen, that we no longer make sin a common practice in our life. You catch me? That's just the decision we made. I'm not, I'm not gonna make sin a, a common practice in my life anymore. I'm just not going to, it's a declaration that we make as followers in Christ. And this is so important, you gotta catch this, man. I think sometimes we miss this. Jesus, man, why, I, well, maybe you don't ask this question. I'm like, why does God hate sin so much? Like, but Jesus, man, he's telling us to leave sin because he's got a good reason. Like it's not just because he's like, I'm just gonna pick sin, I don't like it. No man, there's a good reason why he says that because he knows the consequences of sin. He understands what's gonna happen if you keep pursuing those paths of sin and we miss this sometimes because what Jesus is urging in us when he says sin no more is he's urging us this because every, with every single sin, every single sin, even the little ones, there's an outcome. Like there, there, is, there is a consequence to sin because here's what sin does. Don't miss this today. It kills things. That's the only thing it does. It doesn't bring life to one daggum thing in your life. It kills things that you love, that you value, and that God wants in your life. It kills them. It kills things. Think about over time. Think about this. Even these little things, it kills your mind. Listen to me. It kills your self-control. It kills your willpower, it kills your body, it'll kill your conscience, and then eventually, come on with me, it, the stuff that doesn't bother you, or it'll eventually like, not bother you anymore. Stuff that bothers you will just not bother you that much anymore. That's what sin does. It'll kill you. For some, it's destroy your family. You know, if for some, it's destroy your relationships, your mom, your dad, that's what it does. It kills things, and here's what you can't miss. Jesus died for that. He died for that for you. He died for your sin to no longer kill things in you and in your life. And he's urging you to leave it to sin no more because he's like, stop letting that kill you. 
Stop letting it eat you up. It's not where you're gonna find anything good. And because he loves you, because he loves you, he's inviting you to live out a better life with him. It's awesome. So we regret sin, okay? We repent from sin, and then we make a commitment to no longer repeat that sin again. And so I got a few minutes left. I just wanna talk to some of you here because, man, here's what I know that's existing in this room and out there. Like, I know because I know <laughs> that there are some of you here and you're, you're seeing this message and you're hearing this and you're receiving it and you're struggling with a sin. I don't know, you know like you're, I feel it. Like you're struggling with a sin. You say that you regret it. You say, no, I regret it, man. I've, I recognize it. I repent from it. I want God to change me and I turn away and I ask God to forgive me. I know that, that all that is genuine, but I keep doing it. Like, why do I keep doing it? I don't want to keep doing it. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pornography. You know, maybe it's, I don't know, pride or, or lust or judging people. I don't know what it is. I could go on and on, but then, you know, they get angry again. You open com your computer up again and you know it's wrong and you confess it and, and, and you, you tell God, man, I don't want it to come back. And then each time you get more and more worried. You get more and more like, man, I don't know. You start thinking, am I really committed to this thing? Am I? And then it gets this, like, am I really a Christian? I wanna stop you dead in your tracks right now. And I wanna give you back to 1 John because you need to understand something because what he's telling you in 1 John, he's like, 